So we continue into week 51, beginning at day 351, uh, and at First Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 where we left off, uh, and today we'll read through uh, all of the rest of First Timothy. First of all then I urge that petitions, prayers, intercession and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and it pleases God our Saviour who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, a man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself a ransom for all, a testimony at the proper time. For this I was appointed a herald, an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Therefore I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or argument, Also the women are to dress themselves in modest clothing with decency and good sense, not with elaborate hairstyles, gold, pearls or expensive apparel, but with good works, as is proper for women who affirm that they worship God. A woman should learn in silence with full submission. I do not allow a woman to teach or have authority over a man. Instead, she is to be silent. For Adam was created first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and transgressed. But she will be saved through childbearing if she continues in faith, love and holiness with good sense. This saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. An overseer, therefore, must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, an able teacher, not addicted to wine, not a bully, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy, one who manages his own household competently, having his children under control with all dignity. If anyone does not know how to manage his own household, how much will he take care of God's church? He must not be a new convert, or he might become conceited and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders, so that he does not fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. Deacons likewise should be worthy of respect, not hypocritical, not drinking a lot of wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And they must also be tested first. If they prove blameless, then they can serve as deacons. Wives too must be worthy of respect, not slanderers, self-controlled, faithful in everything. Deacons must be husbands of one wife, managing their children and their own households competently. For those who have served well as deacons acquire good standing for themselves and great boldness in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. I write these things to you, hoping to come to you soon, but if I should be delayed, I have written so that you will know how people ought to act in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And most certainly, the mystery of godliness is great. He was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Now the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons through the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared. They forbid marriage and demand abstinence from foods that God created to be received with gratitude by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, And nothing should be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, since it is sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. 
If you point these things out to the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. But have nothing to do with irreverent and silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. For the training of the body has a limited benefit, but godliness is beneficial in every way, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. In fact, we labour and strive for this because we have put our hope in the living God who is the saviour of everyone, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. No one should despise your youth. Instead, you should be an example to the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the councils of elders. Practice these things, be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all. Be conscientious about yourself and your teaching, persevere in these things, for by doing this you will save both yourself and your hearers. Do not rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and with all propriety the younger women as sisters. Support widows who are genuinely widows. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, they should learn to practice their religion toward their family first and to repay their parents, for this pleases God. The real widow, left all alone, has put her hope in God and continues night and day in her petitions and prayers. However, she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command this so that they won't be blamed. Now if anyone does not provide for his own relatives, and especially for his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. No widow should be placed on the official support list unless she is at least 60 years old, has been the wife of one husband, and is well known for good works. That is, if she has brought up children, shown hospitality, washed the saints' feet, helped the afflicted, and devoted herself to every good work. But refused to enrol younger widows, For when they are drawn away from Christ by desire, they want to marry, and will therefore receive condemnation because they have renounced their original pledge. At the same time, they also learn to be idle, going from house to house. They are not only idle, but are also gossips and busybodies, saying things they shouldn't say. Therefore, I want younger women to marry, have children, manage their households, and give the adversary no opportunity to accuse us. For some have already turned away to follow Satan, If any believing woman has widows, she should help them, and the church should not be burdened, so that it can help those who are genuinely widows. The elders who are good leaders should be considered worthy of an ample honorarium, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, You must not muzzle an ox that is threshing grain, and the labourer is worthy of his wages. Don't accept an accusation against an elder unless it is supported by two or three witnesses. Publicly rebuke those who sin so that the rest will also be afraid. I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus and the elect angels to observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing out of favouritism. Don't be too quick to lay hands on anyone and don't share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Don't continue drinking only water but use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Some people's sins are evident, going before them to judgment, but the sins of others follow them. Likewise, good works are obvious, and those that are not obvious cannot remain hidden. 
All who are under the yoke as slaves must regard their own master to be worthy of all respect, so that God's name and his teaching will not be blasphemed. And those who have believing masters should not be disrespectful to them because they are brothers, but should serve them better since those who benefit from their service are believers and dearly loved. Teach and encourage these things. If anyone teaches other doctrine doctrine and does not agree with the sound teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the teaching that promotes godliness, he is conceited, understanding nothing, but having a sick interest in disputes and arguments over words. From these come envy, quarrelling, slanders, evil suspicions and constant disagreement among men whose minds are depraved and deprived of the truth, who imagine that godliness is a way to material gain, but godliness with contentment is a great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil and by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Now you, man of God, run from these things, but pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the faith, take hold of eternal life to which you were called, and have made a good confession before many witnesses. In the presence of God, who gives life to all, and before Christ Jesus, who gave a good confession before Pontius Pilate, I charge you to keep the commandment without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which God will bring about in his own time. He is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the only one who has immortality dwelling in unapproachable light, whom none of mankind has seen or can see, to whom be honour and eternal might. Amen. Instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope in the uncertainty of wealth, but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the age to come, so that they may take hold of life that is real. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding irreverent empty speech and contradictions from the knowledge that falsely bears that name. By professing it, some people have deviated from the faith. Grace be with all of you. And there we end, day 351. Day 352, and we read through the book of Titus, and then we begin First Peter. We start at Titus chapter 1, verse 1, through to chapter 3, verse 15, and that's the whole book of Titus. Paul, a slave of God and apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of God's elect, and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, in the hope of eternal life that God who cannot lie promised before time began, and has in his own time revealed his message in the proclamation that I was entrusted with by the command of God our Saviour. To Titus, my true child in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. The reason I left you in Crete was to set right what was left undone, and as I directed you, to appoint elders in every town, someone who is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children not accused of wildness or rebellion. For an overseer as God's manager must be blameless, not arrogant, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not a bully, not greedy for money, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, 
righteous, holy, self-controlled, holding to the faithful message as taught, so that he will be able both to encourage with sound teaching and to refute those who contradict it. For there are also many rebellious people, idle talkers and deceivers, especially those from Judaism. It is necessary to silence him. They overthrow whole households by teaching for dishonest gain when they should not. One of their very own prophets said Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true, so rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith and may not pay attention to Jewish myths and the commandments of men who reject the truth. To the pure everything is pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving nothing is pure. In fact, both their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient and disqualified for any good work. But you must speak what is consistent with sound teaching. Older men are to be self-controlled, worthy of respect, sensible and sound in faith, love and endurance. In the same way, older women are to be reverent in behaviour, not slanderers, not addicted to too much wine. They are to teach what is good so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands and children, to be sensible, pure, good homemakers and submissive to their husbands so that God's message will not be slandered. Likewise, encourage the young men to be sensible about everything. Set an example of good works yourself with integrity and dignity in your teaching. Your message is to be sound beyond reproach so that that the opponent will be ashamed, having nothing bad to say about us. Slaves are to be submissive to their masters in everything and to be well-pleasing, not talking back or stealing, but demonstrating utter faithfulness so that they may adorn the teaching of God our Saviour in everything. For the grace of God has appeared with salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, righteous and godly way in the present age, while we wait for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a special people eager to do good works. Say these things and encourage and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one, to avoid fighting and to be kind, always showing gentleness to all people. For we too were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, captives of various passions and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful, detesting one another. But when the goodness and love for man appeared from God our Saviour, he saved us not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. This Spirit he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that having been justified by his grace we may become heirs with the hope of eternal life. This saying is trustworthy. I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed God might be careful to devote themselves to good works. These are good and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish debates, genealogies, quarrels and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a divisive person after a first and second warning, knowing that such a person is perverted and sins, being self-condemned. When I send Artemis to you or Tychicus, make every effort to come to me in Nicolaopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. 
Diligently help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey so that they will lack nothing. And our people must also learn to devote themselves to good works for cases of urgent need, so that they will not be unfruitful. All those who are with me greet you. Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with all of you. And then we read First Peter chapter 1 verse 1 to chapter 2 verse 25. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the temporary residents of the dispersion in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father and set apart by the Spirit for obedience and for the sprinkling with the blood of Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorrupted and unfeeling, kept in heaven for you, who are being protected by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this, though now for a short time you have had to be distressed by various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, more valuable than gold which perishes though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You love him though you have not seen him, and though not seeing him now you believe in him and rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy, because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated. They inquired into what time or what circumstances the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance to the messianic sufferings and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you concerning things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels desire to look into these things. Therefore, get your minds ready for action, being self-disciplined and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. And if you address as Father the one who judges impartially based on each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during this time of temporary residence. For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life inherited from the Father's, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the times for you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. By obedience to the truth, having purified yourselves for sincere love of the brothers, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again not of perishable seed but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower drops off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached as the gospel to you. So rid yourselves of all wickedness, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and all slander. 
Like newborn infants, desire the unadulterated spiritual milk so that you may grow by it in your salvation, since you have tasted that the Lord is good. Coming to him a living stone rejected by men but chosen and valuable to God, you yourselves as living stones are being built into a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Look, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and valuable cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So the honour is for you who believe, but for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, this stone has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that trips them up. They stumble by disobeying the message they were destined for this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and temporary residents to abstain from fleshly desires that war against you. Conduct yourselves honourably among the Gentiles, so that in a case where they speak against you as those who do evil, they may, by observing your good works, glorify God in a day of visitation. Submit to every human institution because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors as those sent out by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For it is God's will that you, by doing good, silence the ignorance of foolish people. As God's slaves, live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a way to conceal evil. Honour everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honour the emperor. Household slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the cruel. For it brings favour if, because of conscience toward God, someone endures grief from suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if you endure when you sin and are beaten? But when you do good and suffer, if you endure it, brings favour with God. For you were called to this, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When reviled, he did not revile in return. When suffering, he did not threaten, but committed himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounding you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. And there we end, day 352. Day 353, um, we continue through First Peter, and then into Hebrews, but we start at First Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that even if some disobey the Christian message, they may be won over without a message by the way their wives live. When they observe your pure, reverent lives, your beauty should not consist of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold ornaments or fine clothes. Instead, it should consist of the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very valuable in God's eyes. For in the past, the holy woman who hoped in God also beautified themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. 
You have become her children when you do good and aren't frightened by anything alarming. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives with understanding of their weaker nature, yet showing them honour as co-heirs of the grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now finally, all of you should be like-minded and sympathetic, should love believers and be compassionate and humble, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult, but on the contrary, giving a blessing since you were called for this so that you can inherit a blessing. For the one who wants to love life and to see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit, and he must turn away from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it, because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their request. But the face of the Lord is against those who are evil. And who will harm you if you are passionate for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear or be disturbed, but set apart the Messiah as Lord in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. However, do this with gentleness and respect, keeping your conscience clear so that when you are accused, those who denounce your Christian life will be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God after being put to death in the fleshly realm, but made alive in the spiritual realm. In that state he also went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in the past were disobedient. When God patiently waited in the days of Noah while an ark was being prepared, in it a few, that is, eight people, were saved through water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now that he has gone into heaven, he is at God's right hand, with angels, authorities, and powers subjected to him. Therefore, since Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same resolve, because the one who suffered in the flesh has finished with sin, in order to live the remaining time in the flesh no longer for human desires but for God's will. For there has already been enough time spent in doing the will of the pagans, carrying on in unrestrained behaviour, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and lawless idolatry. In regard to this, they are surprised that you don't plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they slander you. They will give an account to the one who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was also preached to those who are now dead, so that, although they might be judged by men in the fleshly realm, they might live by God in the spiritual realm. Now the end of all things is near, therefore be clear-headed and disciplined for prayer. Above all, keep your love for one another at full strength, since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Based on the gift they have received, everyone should use it to serve others as good managers of the very grace of God. If anyone speaks, his speech should be like the oracles of God. If anyone serves, his service should be from the strength God provides, so that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power for ever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, when the fiery ordeal arises among you to test you, don't be surprised by it, as if something unusual were happening to you. Instead, as you share in the sufferings of the Messiah, rejoice, so that you may also rejoice with great joy at the revelation of his glory. If you are ridiculed for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. None of you, however, should suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a meddler. 
But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he should not be ashamed, but should glorify God with that name. For the time has come for judgment to begin with God's household, and if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who disobey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is saved with difficulty, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So those who suffer according to God's will should, in doing good, entrust themselves to a faithful creator. Therefore, as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of the Messiah, and also a participant in the glory about to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but freely, according to God's will, not for the money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you younger men, be subject to the elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, because he cares about you. Be sober, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by your brothers in the world. Now the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will personally restore, establish, strengthen and support you after you have suffered a little. To him be the dominion forever. Amen. Through Silvanus, who I consider a faithful brother, I have written briefly encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Take your stand in it. She who is in Babylon, also chosen, sends you greetings, as does Mark, my son. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. And that finishes First Peter, and we move into Hebrews, reading from chapter 1, verse 1, to chapter 2, verse 18. Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. He is the radiance of his glory, the exact expression of his nature, and he sustains all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, so he became higher in rank than the angels, just as the name he inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. When he again brings his firstborn into the world, he says, And all God's angels must worship him. And about the angels, he says, He makes his angels winds and his servants a fiery flame. But about the son... Your throne, O God, is forever and ever, and the scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. This is why God, your God, has anointed you, rather than your companions, with the oil of joy. And, in the beginning, Lord, you established the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like clothing. You will roll them up like a cloak, and they will be changed like a robe. But you are the same, and your years will never end. Now to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand, until I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve those who are going to inherit salvation? We must therefore pay even more attention to what we have heard, so that we will not drift away. For if the message spoken through angels was legally binding, 
and every transgression and disobedience received a just just punishment, how will we escape if, if we neglect such a great salvation? It was first spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. At the same time, God also testified by signs and wonders, various miracles and distributions of gifts from the Holy Spirit according to his will. For he has not subjected to angels the world to come that we are talking about, but one has somewhere testified, What is man that you remember him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him lower than the angels for a short time, you crowned him with glory and honour and subjected everything under his feet. For in subjecting everything to him, he left nothing not subject to him. As it is, we do not yet see everything subjected to him, but we do see Jesus, made lower than the angels for a short time, so that by God's grace he might taste death for everyone, crowned with glory and honour because of the suffering of death. For it was fitting in bringing many sons to glory that he, for whom and through whom all things exist, should make the source of their salvation perfect, 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 through sufferings. For the one who sacrifices and sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one Father. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers, I will sing hymns to you in the congregation. Again I will trust in him, and again here I am with the children God gave me. Now since the children have flesh and blood in common, he also shared in these, so that through his death he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who were held in slavery all their lives by the fear of death. For it is clear that he does not reach out to help angels, but to help Abraham's offspring. Therefore he had to be like his brothers in every way, so that he could become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tested and, and has suffered, he is able to help those who are tested. And there we end. A, uh, exciting, a, uh, well spoken of course, day 353. Day 354, and we continue through Hebrews from chapter 3 verse 1 to chapter 7 verse 28. Therefore, holy brothers and companions in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was in all God's household. For Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder has more honour than the house. Now every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household as a testimony to what would be said in the future. But Christ was faithful as a son over his household, whose household we are, if we hold on to the courage and the confidence of our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. On the day of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for forty years. Therefore, I was provoked with this generation, and said, They always go astray in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest. Watch out, brothers, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that departs from the living God. But encourage each other daily while it is still called today, so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become companions of the Messiah, if we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who heard and rebelled? 
wasn't it really all who came out of Egypt under Moses? And with whom was he provoked for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, if not those who disobeyed? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Therefore, while the promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear so that none of you should miss it. For we also have received the good news just as they did, but the message they heard did not benefit them, since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. For we who have believed enter the rest, in keeping with what he has said, so I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the foundation of the world, for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in this way, and on the seventh day God rested from all his works. Again in that passage he says they will never enter my rest, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news did not enter because of disobedience. Again he specifies a certain day, today, speaking through David after such a long time as previously stated, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken later about another day. A Sabbath rest remains, therefore, for God's people. For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works, just as God did from his. Let us then make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall into the same pattern of disobedience. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as to divide soul, spirit, joints and marrow. It is a judge of the ideas and thoughts of the heart. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to the confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. For every high priest taken from men is appointed in service to God for the people, to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this, he must make a sin offering for himself as well as for the people. No one takes this honour on himself. Instead, a person is called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, the Messiah did not exalt himself to become a high priest, but the one who said to him, You are my son, today I have become your father also said in another passage, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During his earthly life he offered prayers and appeals with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Though a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. After he was perfected, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, and he was declared by God a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. We have a great deal to say about this, and it's difficult to explain since you have become slow to understand. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of God's revelation. You need milk, not solid food. Now everyone who lives in milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. Therefore, leaving the elementary message about the Messiah, let us go on to maturity, 
not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith in God, teaching about ritual washing, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And we will do this if God permits. For it is impossible to renew to repentance those who were once enlightened, who tasted the heavenly gift, became companions with the Holy Spirit, tasted God's good word in the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away because to their own harm they are re-crucifying the Son of God and holding, holding him up to contempt. For ground it has drunk the rain that has often fallen on it, and that produces vegetation useful to those it was cultivated for, receives a blessing from God. But if it produces thorns and thistles, it is worthless and about to be crushed and will be burned at the end. Even though we are speaking this way, dear friends, in your case we are confident of the better things connected with salvation. For God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you showed for his name when you served the saints, and you continue to serve them. Now we want each of you to demonstrate the same diligence for the final realisation of your hope, so that you won't become lazy but imitators of those who inherit the promises through faith and perseverance. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater to swear by, he swore by himself, I will most certainly bless you and I will greatly multiply you. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham obtained the promise. For men swear by something greater than themselves, and for them a confirming oath ends every dispute. Because God wanted to show his unchangeable purpose even more clearly through the heirs of the promise, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that through two unchangeable things, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. We have this hope like a sure and firm anchor of the soul that enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner because he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. For this Melchizedek, king of Salam, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham and blessed him as he returned from defeating the kings, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First his name means king of righteousness, then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Without father, mother, or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, remains a priest forever. Now consider how great this man was, to whom even Abraham the patriarch gave a tenth of the plunder. The sons of Levi who receive the priestly office have a commandment according to the law, to collect a tenth from the people, that is, from their brothers, though they have also descended from Abraham. But one without this lineage collected tithes from Abraham and blessed the one who had the promises. Without a doubt, the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, men who will die receive tithes, but in the other case, Scripture testifies that he lives. And in a sense, Levi himself, who receives tithes, has paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still within his forefather when Melchizedek met him. If then perfection came through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there for another priest to arise in the order of Melchizedek, and not to be described as being in the order of Aaron? For when there is a change of the priesthood, there must be a change of the law as well. For the one about whom these things are said belonged to a different tribe from which no one has served at the altar. Now it is evident that our Lord came from Judah, and about that tribe Moses said nothing concerning priests. And this becomes clearer if another priest like Melchizedek arises who doesn't become a priest based on a legal command concerning physical descent, 
but based on the power of an indestructible life, for it has been testified. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So the previous commandment is annulled because it was weak and unprofitable, for the law perfected nothing, but a better hope is introduced though through which we draw near to God. None of this happened without an oath, for others became priests without an oath, but he with an oath made by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and he will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. So Jesus has also become the guarantee of a better covenant. Now many have become Levitical priests since they are prevented by death from remaining in office. But because he remains forever, he holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore he is always able to save those who come to God through him since he always lives to intercede for them. For this is the kind of high priest we need, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. He doesn't need to offer sacrifices every day as high priests do, first for their own sins, then for those of the people. He did this once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who are weak, but the promise of the oath which came after the law appoints a son who has been perfected forever. And there we end a squeaky day 354. Day 355 and we continue through Hebrews from chapter 8 verse 1 through to chapter 11 verse 10. Now the main point of what is being said is this. We have this kind of high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle which the Lord set up and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices, therefore it was necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now if he were here on earth he wouldn't be a priest since there are those offering the gifts prescribed by the law. These serve as a copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was warned when he was about to complete the tabernacle, for he said, Be careful that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. But Jesus has now obtained a superior ministry, and to that degree he is the mediator of a better covenant, which has been legally enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, no opportunity would have been sought for a second one. But finding fault with his people, he says, Look, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day I took them by their hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. Because they did not continue in my covenant, I disregarded them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And each person will not teach his fellow citizen and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their wrongdoing, and I will never again remember their sins. By saying a new covenant, he has declared that the first is old, and what is old and ageing is about to disappear. Now the first covenant also had regulations for ministry in an earthly sanctuary, for a tabernacle was set up and in the first room which is called the holy place where the lampstand, the table and the presentation loose. Behind the second curtain the tabernacle was called the holy of holies. It contained the gold altar of incense and the ark of the covenant covered with gold on all sides. In which there was a gold jar containing the manna, Aaron's rod that budded and the tablets of the covenant. The cherubim of glory were above it overshadowing the mercy seat. 
It is not possible to speak about these things in detail right now. These things having been set up this way, the priests enter the first room repeatedly performing their ministry. But the high priest alone enters the second room, and that only once a year and never without blood, which he offers for himself and for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was making it clear that the way into the Holy of Holies had not yet been disclosed while the first tabernacle was still standing. This is a symbol for the present time during which gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the worshipper's conscience. They are physical regulations and only deal with food, drink and various washings imposed until the time of restoration. Now the Messiah has appeared high priest of the good things that have come. In the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered the Holy of Holies once for all not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who are defiled sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of the Messiah, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our consciences from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called might receive the promise of the eternal inheritance, because a death has taken place for redemption from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Where a will exists, the death of the testator must be established, for a will is only valid when people die, since it is never enforced while the testator is living. That is why even the first covenant was inaugurated with blood, For when every commandment had been proclaimed by Moses to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats along with water, scarlet wool and hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God has commanded for you. In the same way he sprinkled the tabernacle and all the vessels of worship with blood. According to the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. Therefore it was necessary for the copies of the things in the heavens to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves to be purified with better sacrifices than these. For the Messiah did not enter a sanctuary made with hands, only a model of the true one, but into heaven itself that he might now appear in the presence of God for us. He did not do this to offer himself many times as the high priest enters the sanctuary yearly with the blood of another, Otherwise he would have had to suffer many times since the foundation of the world. But now he has appeared one time, at the end of the ages, for the removal of sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for people to die once and after this judgment, so also the Messiah, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Since the law has only a shadow of the good things to come, and not the actual form of those realities, it can never perfect the worshippers by the same sacrifices they continually offer year after year. Otherwise wouldn't they have stopped being offered since the worshippers, once purified, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in the sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, as he was coming into the world, he said, You did not want sacrifice and offering, but you prepared a body for me. You did not delight in whole burnt offerings and sin offerings. Then I said, See, I have come, it is written about me in the volume of the scroll, to do your will, O God. 
After he says above, you did not desire or delight in sacrifices and offerings, whole burnt offerings and sin offerings, which are offered according to the law, he then says, See, I have come to do your will. He takes away the first to establish the second. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Now every priest stands day after day ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after offering one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. He is now waiting until his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering he has perfected forever those who are sanctified. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this, for he had said, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws on their hearts, and I will write them on their minds. He adds, I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts. Now where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have boldness to enter the sanctuary through the blood of Jesus by the new and living way that he has inaugurated for us through the curtain, that is, his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water. Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works, not staying away from our meetings as some habitually do, but encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we deliberately sin after receiving the knowledge of truth, there is no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire about to consume the adversaries. If anyone disregards Moses' law, he dies without mercy based on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think one will deserve who has trampled on the Son of God, regarded as profane the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and insulted the spread of grace? For we know the one who has said, Vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, and again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember the earlier days when after you had been enlightened you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to taunts and afflictions, and at other times you were companions of those who were treated that way. For you sympathised with the prisoners and accepted with joy the confiscation of your possessions, knowing that you yourselves have a better and enduring possession. So don't throw away your confidence which has a great reward, for you need endurance so that after you have done God's will you may receive what was promised. For in yet a very little while the coming one will come and not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith, and if he draws back my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and obtain life. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen, for by it our ancestors were approved. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen has been made from things that are not visible. By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By this he was approved as a righteous man, because God approved his gifts, and even though he is dead, he still speaks through this. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not experience death and he was not to be found because God took him away. For prior to his transformation he was approved having pleased God. 
Now without faith it is impossible to please God, for the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. By faith Noah, after being warned about what was not yet seen, in reverence built an ark to deliver his family. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and went out to a place he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And there we end, day 355. Day 356, and we continue through Hebrews and finish it today. We read from chapter 11, verse 20, verse 11, 11 chap, chapter 11, verse 11. We'll get it right sometime, uh, through to chapter 13, verse 25 in the end of Hebrews. By faith even Sarah herself, when she was barren, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful, and therefore from one man, in fact from one as good as dead, came offering as numerous as the stars of heaven and as innumerable as the grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith without having received the promises, but they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Now those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been remembering that land they came from, they would have opportunity to return. But they now aspire to a better land, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He who had received the promises was offering up his unique son about whom it had been said, In Isaac your seed will be called. He considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead, from which he also got him back as an illustration. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, and he worshipped leaning on the top of his staff. By faith Joseph, as he was nearing the end of his life, mentioned the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. By faith Moses, after he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months, because they saw that the child was beautiful and they didn't fear the king's edict. By faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and chose to suffer with the people of God rather than to enjoy the short-lived pleasure of sin. For he considered reproach for the sake of the Messiah to be greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, since his attention was on the reward. By faith he left Egypt behind, not being afraid of the king's anger, for he persevered as one who sees him who is invisible. By faith he instituted the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith they crossed the Red Sea as though they were on dry land. When the Egyptians attempted to do this, they were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after being encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab the prostitute received the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. And what more can I say? Time is too short for me to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the raging of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, gained strength after being weak, became mighty in battle and put foreign armies to flight. 
Women received their dead raised to life again. Some men were tortured, not accepting release, so that they might gain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, as well as bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they died by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts, mountains, caves and holes in the ground. All these were approved through their faith, but they did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better for us, so that they would not be made perfect without us. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight on the sin that so easily ensnares us, and run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross, and despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. For consider him who endured such hostility for from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. In struggling against sin you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly, or faint when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son whom he receives. Endure it as a discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had natural fathers discipline us and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them. But he does it for our benefit so that we can share his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time but painful. Later on, however, it yields the fruit of peace and righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore strengthen your tired hands and weakened knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be dislocated but healed instead. Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble, and by it defiling many. And see that there isn't any immoral or irreverent person like Esau, who sold his birthright in exchange for one meal. For you know that later when he wanted to inherit the blessing he was rejected because he didn't find any opportunity for repentance, though he sought it with tears. For you have not come to what could be touched, to a blazing fire, to darkness, gloom and storm, to the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words. Those who heard it begged that not another word be spoken to them, for they could not bear what was commanded. And if even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. And the appearance was so terrifying that Moses said, I am terrified and trembling. Instead you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to myriads of angels in festive gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn whose names have been written in heaven, to God who is the judge of all, to the spirits of righteous people made perfect, to Jesus, mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which says better things than the blood of Abel. See that you do not reject the one who speaks, for if they did not escape when they rejected him who warned them on earth, even less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven. 
His voice shook the earth at that time, but now he has promised, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this expression, yet once more, indicates the removal of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what is not shaken might remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us hold on to grace. By it we may serve God acceptably, with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let brotherly love continue. Don't neglect to show hospitality, for by doing this some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though you were in prison with them, and the mistreated as though you yourselves were suffering bodily. Marriage must be respected by all, and the marriage bed kept undefiled, because God will judge immoral people and adulterers. Your life should be free from the love of money. Be satisfied with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Therefore we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid, what can man do to me? Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. As you carefully observe the outcome of their lives, imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be established by grace and not by foods, since those involved in them have not benefited. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle do not have a right to eat, for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the Holy of Holies by the high priest as a sin offering are burned outside the camp. Therefore Jesus also suffered outside the gate, so that he might sanctify the people by his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp bearing his disgrace, for here we do not have an enduring city, instead we seek the one to come. Therefore through him let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of our lips that confess his name. Don't neglect to do good and to share, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account, so that they can do this with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we are convinced that we have a clear conscience, wanting to conduct ourselves honourably in everything. And I especially urge you to pray that I may be restored to you very soon. Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, with the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip you with all that is good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. Brothers, I urge you to receive this word of exhortation, for I have written to you in few words. Be aware that, where that our brother Timothy has been released. If he comes soon enough, he will be with me when I see you. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who are from Italy greet you. Grace be with all of you. There we end. Day 356. Day 357. And we read through two books today. We read through the book of Second Peter and then also the book of Jude. Um, beginning at Second Peter, chapter one, verse one. Simeon Peter, a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal privilege with ours through the righteousness of our God and Saviour Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, for His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. 
By these he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, because if you do these things you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ will be richly supplied to you. Therefore I will always remind you about these things, even though you know them and are established in the truth you have. I consider it right, as long as I am in this tent, to wake you up with a reminder, knowing that I will soon lay aside my tent, as our Lord Jesus Christ has also shown me. And I will also make every effort that after my departure you may be able to recall these things at any time. For we did not follow cleverly contrived myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, Instead, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honour and glory from God the Father, a voice came to him from the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son, I take delight in him. And we heard this voice when it came from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic word strongly confirmed. You will do well to pay attention to it, as to a lamp shining in a dismal place, until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts. First of all, you should know this. No prophecy of Scripture comes from one's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. Instead, moved by the Holy Spirit, men spoke from God. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Master who bought them, and will bring swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their unrestrained ways, and because of them the way of truth will be blasphemed. In their greed they will exploit you with deceptive words. Their condemnation, pronounced long ago, is not idle, and their destruction does not sleep. For if God didn't spare the angels who sinned, but threw them down into Tartarus, and delivered them to be kept in chains of darkness until judgment, and if he didn't spare the ancient world, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness and seven others when he brought a flood in the world of the ungodly. And if he reduced the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes and condemned them to ruin, making them an example to those who were going to be ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, distressed by the unrestrained behaviour of the immoral, for as he lived among them that righteous man tormented himself day by day with the lawless deeds he saw and heard, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment, especially those who follow the polluting desires of the flesh and despise authority. Bold, arrogant people, they do not tremble when they blaspheme the glorious ones. However, angels, who are greater in might and power, do not bring a slanderous charge against them before the Lord. But these people, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct born to be caught and destroyed, Speak blasphemies about things they don't understand, and in their destruction they too will be destroyed, suffering harm as the payment for unrighteousness. 
They consider it a pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are blots and blasphemies, delighting in their deceptions as they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery and always looking for sin, seducing unstable people and with hearts trained in greed. Accursed children! By abandoning this straight path they have gone astray and have followed the path of Balaam the son of Basor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but received a rebuke for his transgression. A speechless donkey spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These people are springs without water, mists driven by a whirlwind. The gloom of darkness has been reserved for them, for uttering bombastic empty words they seduce by fleshly desires and debauchery, people who have barely escaped from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption, since people are enslaved to whatever defeats them. For if, having escaped the world's impurity through the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in these things and defeated, the last state is worse for them than, than the first. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than, after knowing it, to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit, and a sow after washing itself wallows in the mud. Dear friends, this is now the second letter I have written to you, in both I awaken your pure understanding with a reminder, so that you can remember the words previously spoken by the holy prophets, and the commandment of our Lord and Saviour given through your apostles. First, be aware of this. Scoffers will come in the last days to scoff following their own lusts, saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they have been since the beginning of creation. They willfully ignore this. Long ago the heavens and the earth existed out of water and through water by the word of God. Through these the world of that time perished when it was flooded by water. But by the same word the present heavens and earth are held in store for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly men. Dear friends, don't let this one thing escape you. With the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, the elements will burn and be dissolved, and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. Since all things are to be destroyed in this way, it is clear what sort of people you should be in holy conduct and godliness, as you wait for and earnestly desire the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be on fire and will be dissolved and the elements will melt with the heat. But based on his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness will dwell. Therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort to be found in peace without spot or blemish before him. Also regard the patience of our Lord as an opportunity for salvation, just as our dear brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. He speaks about these things in all his letters in which there are some matters that are hard to understand. The untaught and unstable twist them to their own destruction, as they also do with the rest of scriptures. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard so that you are not led away by the error of the immoral and fall from your own stability but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. 
Amen. There ends the book of Second Peter and we then read the book of Jude, which has 25 verses. Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are the called, loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ, may mercy, peace and love be multiplied to you. Dear friends, although I was eager to write to you about our common salvation, I find it necessary to write and exhort you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. For certain men who were designated for this judgment long ago have come in by stealth. They are ungodly, turning the grace of our Lord into promiscuity and denying our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want to remind you, though you know all these things, the Lord having first of all saved the people out of Egypt, later destroyed those who did not believe, and he has kept with eternal chains and darkness for the judgment of the great day, angels who did not keep their own position but deserted their proper dwelling. In the same way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them committed sexual immorality and practiced perversions, just as they did, and serve as an example by undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Nevertheless, these dreamers likewise defile their flesh, despise authority and blaspheme glorious beings. Yet Michael, the archangel, when he was disputing with the devil in a debate about Moses' body, did not dare bring an abusive condemnation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme anything they don't understand, and what they know by instinct, like unreasoning animals, they destroy themselves with these things. Woe to them, for they have travelled in the way of Cain, have abandoned themselves to the error of Balaam for profit, and have perished in Korah's rebellion. These are the ones who are like dangerous reefs at your love feasts. They feast with you, nurturing only themselves without fear. They are waterless clouds carried along by winds, trees in late autumn, fruitless, twice dead, pulled out by the roots. Wild waves of the sea foaming up their shameful deeds. Wandering stars for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied about them. Look, the Lord comes with thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all, and to convict them of all their ungodly deeds that they have done in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things ungodly sinners have said against him. These people are discontented grumblers, walking according to their desires. Their mouths utter arrogant words flattering people for their own advantage. But you, dear friends, remember the words foretold by the apostles of our Lord Jesus. They told you, in the end times there will be scoffers walking according to their own ungodly desires. These people create divisions and are merely natural, not having the spirit. But you, dear friends, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, expecting the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Have mercy on some who doubt, save others by snatching them from the fire. On others have mercy and fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling, and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy, to the only God our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power and authority, before all time, now and forever. Amen. There we end, day 357 and week 51.